Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion. And because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 283 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. So today we are continuing kind of a big topic that we started last week. And generally, it's how has the COVID-19 pandemic complicated some of the, the parenting challenges that already go along with each age and stage. So we know that, you know, potty training is a challenge and we know kids making friends is a challenge and we know teenagers rebelling is a challenge and all these things we know from the parenting books and blogs that like, this is what we signed up for. Here's how to do right. it. And then there's COVID. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> what did I say last episode? Um, it's a lot. I think I said that probably 12 times, but there is a lot going on at this age and so much of it does revolve around activities, school or homeschool and friends at this age, like at the elementary school age that to have all of those things upended all at once, it leaves you very rudderless. Like it leaves you kind of without all those structures in place that you have begun to rely on. Like a lot of families, their activities, whether it's theater or dance or sports, kind of at that stage become like the whole family culture. Mm -hmm. um, that becomes who you see, who you hang out with, who you spend time with. So that's one thing that is now just either gone or so different that it, it's it's just very, very different. And then getting our kids an education um, <laughs> is important. And now suddenly so much of that has fallen into our laps. We talked last month or last, sorry, last week about the fact that in September, um, an estimated 865,000 in one month, 865,000 women left the workforce. Mm -hmm. And my guess is many, many of them did it because of school, because daycares have been open. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of kids have been back at daycare since June, mm -hmm. May, even in some places, but schools have not. And, and if I had to guess, not that I'm, you know, I'm not a social scientist and I don't know exactly what these numbers equal. I think the, I think the stress and emotional labor and just the, um, 
organizational hazards of mm-hmm. trying to manage your kid getting on their different classes all day long or whatever and holding down a job or maybe like your kid is going to school two days a week mm-hmm. and they have to be home the right re- like it's just too much and unfortunately it's going to affect women more broadly than mm-hmm. men um and I, that's not to judge like anybody who's made that decision for themselves i think if if covid has done anything i'm not even gonna say good i'm just gonna say novel mm-hmm. if it's had any effect that is potentially positive it's that it's almost removed the caring about what other people think or what is socially important or i'm sorry um culturally like mm-hmm. important expected, to do the, yeah expected to do the right thing for you and your family like people are gonna i can't like you know, hands in the air. I can't do this. So I'm not going to like, I'm out. Yeah. And I think that would have been a harder decision to make a year ago when the, the idea was you could still hold it all together mm-hmm. or like that was kind of the narrative. Now we all kind of realize that we're all crying uncle at the same time. Yeah. So in some ways that's like good, but then the the result is very, is devastating like that to the workforce and yeah. to women's ability to earn and um, to stay relevant in, in their careers and all that stuff. So like, there's just so much happening. All at once. There is. All at once. And yeah, yeah, as you mentioned, we're we're starting with elementary school age kids today. Last week, hopefully you caught last week's episode. We kind of went stage by stage with infants and then toddlers and preschoolers. And I would actually encourage everybody to listen to whichever episode maybe doesn't fit your stage of life. I learned, I mean, reading through the infant, toddler and preschooler comments, even though I've done all of those stages three times or even, you know, maybe I had all three at once at one point. um, It was such a reminder of what that stage of life was life like in normal times. And I was able to, with my empathy, my empathy muscles to be like, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine having a toddler during right. these times. So yeah, if you're joining us today and your kids are really tiny, I would love for you to stick around and um, just think about your friends with school-aged kids and teenagers and even young adults and, and vice versa. Hopefully our moms of older kids listened last week and um, just kind of our hearts all went out to the the new moms and the moms of infants. And I think if there's one thing our show aims to do, it's to always create that space to imagine what another another mom's life is like right now um, with the goal of um, increasing our empathy for one another. Um, And that's kind of that's the path through which we can, you know, understand each other better, connect better. And um, I think, you know, enjoy our own motherhood experience more. So. Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip On Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. 
Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. We are welcoming back Olive and June as a sponsor. And Megan, I'm so excited about this partnership because with spring right around the corner, I love refreshing the little things in my life, including my manicure. I am the biggest fan of doing my nails at home instead of at a salon because it's convenient, so much cheaper at just $2 a mani, and the results can't be beat. It all begins with Olive and June. Yeah, Olive and June's mani system has everything you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. These are profesh tools designed just for DIY. A couple of the items included are their best-selling poppy, which makes it so easy to brush on a smooth coat, even with your non-dominant hand, which you do have to use about half the time, it turns out, (laughs) and their award-winning cuticle serum, which is so nourishing and a finishing touch I love. Well, I've been a big fan of their quick dry polish for a while now. It seriously dries in about a minute, making it perfect for busy moms. Visit oliveandjune.com slash themomhour for 20% off your first mani system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first mini system. Okay, so we're back and we're starting with, um, I guess, elementary aged kids. So like 5 to 11-ish. I have two kids in this age range. And Megan, you're freshly out of elementary school with Clara just starting middle school, but you remember. You've, you've done it. Well, yeah, and and it's interesting because Clara has never gotten to experience true middle school, to me, she behaves much more like an elementary school kid. Mm. Um, a lot of the things I'm seeing come up on these comments from from listeners, especially with like slightly older elementary school kids, could be about Clara. Yeah. Like just um, wanting to meet expectations, wanting, you know, like she really at heart is still an elementary school kid. She never had a chance to finish. Yeah. It just ended one day. She just, yeah. de- she just never went back. And I think that like the, literally the last day of her school of her elementary school experience was on her birthday. That was the last oh, day she ever went right. to elementary oh school. And so, I mean, it's just kind of crazy. Like she never got to have all those things, like all those milestones and like the passing of the baton and all that truly mm-hmm. to middle school. And now she's technically a middle schooler without any of the experience of middle school. Yeah. It's been, it's really weird. And I think she's having a very hard time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but even, you know, with younger kids, like uh, my heart has been going out to moms of kindergartners oh, me this too. whole time. Um, because first of all, so much of that experience has been taken away. And, and I know one of the commenters said this and maybe I can find it, but saying basically like you look forward to this, like this is what you look forward to being a school mom. And now all of the things that make that fun are gone and they're just left with like a bunch of work. And that's for people who, who truly their kids truly aren't going to school at all. And I know for a lot of people, that's not the case. Like a lot of kids have started back and there are restrictions in place, but they still are in school. But, um, student like parent involvement in the school. If you thought you were going to be like yeah. the volunteer, I'm guessing that's probably not a thing in a lot. No, of I don't schools. think, I don't think onsite volunteers are a thing anywhere. You guys can anywhere. Correct, correct me, but uh, that I think will be one of the last things to return. Yeah. Um, and then like friend groups getting kind of messed up. You didn't see these kids over the summer. Now suddenly you're either back, you know, remote or in person, but you haven't played with anybody. And now you're walking around with masks on and you have to sit you know, six feet apart when you eat your lunch. It just, 
all the things that made elementary school work have been affected. Yes. And yeah, I've, it's, it's, it's a lot as it's she says lot. over and over. <laughs> I think one thing that really makes this group different from the preschoolers and the toddlers we talked about last week with the exception maybe of the kinders, but with, with first graders on up, they have a memory. We talked a couple weeks ago about Halloween. Yeah. We talked about kids who can remember last Halloween and what things are supposed to be like. And our elementary school aged kids are, have great vibrant memories of what life was like pre COVID our babies, toddlers and preschoolers barely do maybe an older preschooler, maybe. Um, so that is a different kind of challenge as we talk about things like after school activities. And like you said, the modifications at the lunch tables and the way drop off and pickup works and everything is different, even as our schools do reopen. Um, it's a lot for kids, especially sensitive kids, kids who struggle with change and transitions. And there are a lot of them out there. I would say it's, it's within the range of typical to have a kid who, who takes a while to get used to new things. And then you basically layer that like everything that you used to know about your life and your schedule in school is now different. So um, I don't know. I know we're all very eager for kids to get back in school and, and there are benefits to it. And I've seen some of those benefits, but I don't think we can gloss over um, the processing energy it takes for a kid to like just get used to all that newness. Does that make sense? And it's, mm, and, and yeah. that's not the case when the kid doesn't ever remember going to school. Cause it's, it's challenging for a different reason, but not because they have that memory to, to compare to. Yeah. Um, totally, totally agree. And, um, and that expectation and it's just, it's just a morning, it's morning. It's mm -hmm. like a loss. It's a loss for everybody. But I think sometimes it's easy for us to kind of forget that the kids while they are resilient and while they can very well adjust, like they're the ones really having to do the majority of the adjusting to what the actual experience of being in school is like. Um, and that can be really hard. Cassandra says, uh, my fourth grader struggles with being the best and perfect at everything, but zoom class is hard for her. She can't always follow what the teacher is doing or whose turn it is to talk. And she has a lot of anxiety about being called on and getting the answer wrong. So mm. this totally jumped out at me because Last spring, and I think we can all agree that last spring school was basically just everyone, I don't know, yeah. throwing spaghetti at the wall, yeah. trying to do something. I mean, we all knew it was just total junk. Right. Like we all just kind of, we thought it was so much more temporary than it turned out to be that I think that there was just this idea if we could just get through to the end of the year, we'll all, it'll all get kind of figured out in the fall. Um, and I remember a comment that I made to you, Sarah, but I don't remember if I talked about it on the show was watching Clara, who was in fifth grade at the time and was also very, very much a people pleaser, really wants to appear to be very on top of things mm -hmm. and to appear to be very organized. And she's like one of the, her teachers would have always said she's like super compliant and mm -hmm. like, <laughs> and that's not always a good word, but like, she's the kid who does what's asked, meets expectations. Like she's just on point. And that I think is something that she leans in on. It's mm -hmm. not like she's part of the her identity. Kid. Yeah. Yeah. But like, she's the, the sweet kid and she's the one who does what's asked of her. And she's the one who's pays attention. She's prepared. Right. And so it was kind of a mess for her at the end of last year, um, zoom. And I remember watching her sitting in her zoom meetings and my heart just kind of breaking because she would like go get all ready. And like, she had this rose scented, like face mist that she mm -hmm. uses. I got her one, just like the one you gave me from Trader, oh, yeah, from Joe's. Trader Joe's. Yeah. And 
Yeah. So she would like spray it on and brush her hair. And then she would sit in front of Zoom, perfectly poised. And it was like she was a little politician. Like she would just talk perfectly, enunciate. But I could tell the panic in her eyes when Mm. she didn't know something or like when the teacher would say, um, did you do this thing? And then she would sometimes be like staring at the computer with a smile on her face and texting me under the table. Like, mom, I don't know what she's talking about. (laughs) I was like, and I would say, it's fine. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what she's talking about. Like literally in your class right now of 30 kids, I guarantee you three kids did the work because everyone else is confused. But it was really hard to watch. And I know she's in, in more of like the middle school group, but I'll just share this here because I think, again, she's on this weird cusp. Yeah. Um, she yesterday, so she was with me all day and yesterday was student count day. So my kids are virtual, but student count day with that. I don't know if it's like this in every state, but in Michigan, that means kids have to show up to school that day for the school to get funding. Yeah. I remember you explaining this a long time ago and we, it's yeah. like every day is student count day in California. Yeah. No, in Michigan, it's like yeah. twice a year. Okay. And on that day they count everybody. And so you have to be in every class to get counted. So it was a really big deal yesterday that each kid log into each class and do something. So that mm-hmm. meant I had, I had, um, 18 teachers and classes to make sure that my kids oh, interacted gosh. with yesterday. In one in one day, which was you know super fun, um, and Clara, I bet you got I don't, so much work done. Oh my goodness, it was the best. And I, you know, Clara, some days only logs into one class, and then she falls down a rabbit hole and can't figure out what she's supposed to be doing. So I had to keep saying, "Honey, I know you're working on something. I really hate to take you away from it, but like you really have to log into these other classes and just do something, even if it's email your teacher or like um, you know participate in discussion board or something." So she was trying to figure that all out. And then last night I said, um, did you, there was this one teacher who asked to email, did you email? And she's like, yeah. And I said, can you just forward me the email? So I have it. Cause I just want to make sure uh-huh. she's getting credit for all this stuff. And I don't really trust the virtual platform. Yeah. So she emailed me that she forwarded me her email and it was all her apologizing to her teacher for not being a good student. I mean, Aww. I was crying. It was awful. She's like, I'm really, really sorry. Well, and the saddest thing was I said, is Mr. Phelps your teacher? She said, I think so. Aww. I think so. She didn't even know. And so then she emails him. And it's like, I'm really sorry. I'm trying really hard. I think I'm getting it. I think I'm getting on track. And I'm, I'm like, I just want to cry just talking about it yeah, because, yeah. and I said, honey, do not apologize. Please don't apologize. Yeah. Nobody knows what's going on right now. It yeah. is not just you. Yeah. I promise you. And then she, so we're texting cause she's with John last night and she texted me back. She's like, thank you. I was really stressed and I feel better. And I said, don't oh. just don't stress. I like refuse to allow you to stress Yeah, because it's not fair. It's so unfair to any kid who wants to do well when they're in a system that is not allowing them to do well right now. Like it just, it's nobody's fault. No. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's sometimes people's fault. I've, I'm not going to point fingers, but I've had some frustrations, but it's not like anyone is some sinister person out there going like, ha 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 ha, right. ha. I'm going to take down this elementary school kid or the sixth graders hope yeah. <laughs> hopes and dreams, but it's just, that's happening anyway. And I, I'm just validating Cassandra and anybody else who has a perfectionist kid who is yeah. not getting what they need right now because it's really hard. Well, as you're and, talking, uh, yeah. yeah, as you're talking, I'm thinking one of the things that our elementary school kids don't have right now is the ability to look around a classroom. Well, I should say there are many who are starting to be back in person, but the ones learning at home, they, they don't have the ability to look around a classroom and kind of start to use their own um, common sense of like, okay, what's like, what's the vibe in here? Like, 
Um, what do I need to do to be successful? There's a little bit of the yes. good kind of peer pressure that happens in a classroom where, you know, if you're it's like a bell curve, you yes. kind of realize where you're at on the curve and yeah. like how you stay there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not these imaginary, amazing students that you're, you know, competing with. Or exactly. Yeah. They don't have the ability to kind of um, look at the kids who have their stuff together and try to like emulate that they don't have the ability to see who else is struggling so they can feel like maybe they're not the only one who is struggling they don't have the benefit of peer-to-peer comparison and um I was noticing a comment from Courtney who said her third grader is wiggly by nature and I have a very wiggly second grader wiggly by nature she said it's a revolving door of hacks and rearranging his workspace to try to accommodate for the teacher to be able to see him while keeping safe and somewhat stationary so this very short comment brings up like so many things (laughs) for me first of all as a mom Courtney is in a position that she would not normally be in, right? Like you're right. not, if your kid is wiggling in third grade, it's not your problem. You're not there. <laughs> you're, <laughs> right, it's not your problem. Unless you get right. a note home or a parent teacher conference to kind of strategize about it. It's not on your radar. And so now we're observing with our kids at home. And I should say, if people haven't been following along closely, if you're confused about what I'm talking about with my kids, my elementary schoolers did about four weeks, four or five weeks, completely virtual. And they've now been back in person for like two weeks. So if I sound like I'm talking about both, I have experienced both. Um, but the, the mom's role of being the one to, um, strategize about a wiggly kid is first of all, so different than how our school system is set up. And then also that wiggly kid is not able to, like I said, pick up on the cues from teacher and peers of like, okay, I got it. Like I got to pay attention right now. Or like, oh good. The whole class gets to stand up and we get to walk down the hall because it's music time. Like the wiggles get absorbed into the physical activities of a classroom in ways that wiggles mm. cannot when you're at home. Does that make sense? So yeah, well, we're in the position of being like that, like a, like a go-between, like yeah. an observer. We're not the teacher. We're, we don't have the ability, um, assuming we're not homeschooling, truly homeschooling. And we're like kind of this in-between liaison person, right? Right. We're more like an, like an, like a powerless aid, really. Like we're like sitting there watching and we don't even know what's normal and what to make them stop doing. Like, we don't yeah. even know what's disruptive. It's not really our place to make that call. Yet you feel like you should be doing something. Yeah. And, you know, so it's it's very hard. And um, it's putting parents in a really awkward position because we're not really in charge of their educations. But yet we're taking the brunt of all of of like the expectations of managing those expectations and making sure they meet expectations. And that's a really hard position for elementary and pre-teen and teen parents to be in. I think it's just like, I just want to be their mom. I don't Mm, really necessarily want to have to be this like quasi, um, like, like cafeteria overseer, like, um, uh, yard yard duty. Yeah. Yard duty. Yeah. Yard duty. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, exactly. Well, can we talk a little bit about socializing? Um, I think this is an interesting counterpoint to last week when we talked about, there's a lot of observations from toddler and preschool moms about the lack of socialization that those kids are getting. And in those ages, what we're talking about is really practice, practice being in groups of same age peers, practice being out in the world and society, blah, blah, blah. With elementary school kids, we're actually talking about real friendships that have already formed and real social lives that are in progress that maybe went on a complete pause 
or have then had to like find a new normal. Maybe you're able to do outdoor gatherings with a couple friends and maybe you, maybe your sports teams are back. Um, but I think some of the, uh, one thing that came through in several of the comments is how complicated it now is to, for things like play dates and like friend, like nurturing friendships in the time where we're not sure what everybody's comfort level is with masks right. and not masks. Um, I'll just say that I am living in an area that's new to us. I've been really very pleasantly surprised at the little friendships that are already starting to form with my kids. We've met some neighbors. We've been able to do it all outdoors and what I deem is COVID safe for me, which mostly just means outdoors and almost always six feet of distance and masks if we can't yeah. be blah, blah, blah. Um, but I have to admit, I, I get nervous thinking about what's the next step. Like, okay, so now Violet has a new friend that's not the neighbor where I've met the parents and it's like a mom I don't know. And I reached out by email and that was great. But then like, do they do outdoor play dates only? I don't know. Like it's just um, the elementary school years are meant to be a time where kids are starting to take a little bit more control over their friendships, maybe even making their own plans or at least coming up with the plans and the parents act as support. And now we just add these complicated expectations about safety that can get very awkward. It's awkward enough Mm. being the parent of um, a kid who's developed a new friendship. It's already kind of awkward that you've got to like get to know this new mom and your friends, friends with their kid. And now it's like quadruple awkward. Yeah. And that is definitely a theme at that age. And, And it makes me like understand why some people are just be like, you know what? We're just going to have like one family we hang out with and we're not going to worry about any of it. Like, right. You yes. know, like we're just going to open up our bubble and say whatever goes inside this bubble because the policing five-year-olds who only want to do is put their hands on each other yeah. uh, or all they want to do is like on a rainy day, go inside and like have one of them show each other their toys or whatever. Yeah. And to constant, to have that never be on the radar or to never like for another year for that yeah. to not be a possibility is it's difficult to think about. So you know, this isn't to like, we know that people are all over the country in places with different communities spread, different ability to access outdoor play year round, mm-hmm. um, different levels of community, let's, shall I say, participation mm-hmm. in the rules yep. or even a different understanding about what the rules even are different rules in some places. So it gets very complicated when everyone's kind of like trying to draw their own conclusions based on what they think is their interpretation of um, what they should be doing. And then it just, it leads to like a lot of, like you said, awkwardness, judgment, guilt, um, feeling like you're the mean mom or you're the only one upholding certain rules or feeling like you're maybe the mom who's more lax. You think you're doing it for the right reasons. There's just, it's all over the place. And it's, it, it puts us in a socially very awkward situation that we haven't ever had to quite be in before. Yeah, I totally agree. And if you are out there, again, feeling like you're the only one with these playdate or social dynamic struggles, you are not. And like you said, Megan, it doesn't really matter what part of the country you're in or what your personal like COVID bubble looks like. It's it's new territory for everybody. It is. And we're not all necessarily talking about it publicly, but we're all going through it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just really important to keep in mind, like no one, I think we said this in the last episode, the last, the first um, part of this episode that no one's an expert mm-hmm. <laughs> on coronavirus parenting. Yeah. Like, that's literally not a thing that anyone could be an expert in. So 
I promise you, everyone's as, as confused as you are, no matter what. Mm-hmm. I want to give a shout out to teachers who are also parents of school-aged kids right now, because I feel like that is a special, especially elementary school-aged mm-hmm. kids. That is like a special, I don't even know what to call it, um, especially if your child, well, I could see this playing out of several ways. A lot of schools have staggered um, in-person days. So your child, you might be a teacher who's teaching full-time, but your kid might only be in person in class, right? You know, once or twice a week. Which, if that's you, I don't even know what you're. I'm. I don't know what you're doing. I'm sorry. Like, how are you making that work? I'm yeah. assuming daycare is probably picking up some of the slack, but I just can't imagine how exhausting that is. But then you've got the other kind, which is teachers who are teaching virtually, possibly from home, but who have kids who are learning mm-hmm. virtually at the same time. And I gotta say, even as a mom of older kids, I field a lot of requests during the day. Like I'm constantly getting interrupted by a kid going, I don't get this. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I can't remember how to log into this. Mm -hmm. Mom, it wants me to save it as a file. What does that mean? You know, like I have a funny text that Clara sent me last week because Mm -hmm. I said, do you, I yelled from another room, something like, do you know how to copy and paste? And then she texted me, Yes, I know how to copy and paste. Like I was an idiot. And I was like, well, I was just asking a question. I couldn't get up at the moment to come talk to you. So anyways, I'm just thinking like how hard it would be to be a classroom teacher teaching small children all day long and to have your own small child mm-hmm. learning virtually all day long, possibly in the same space. And you also being the one having to kind of facilitate. Mm-hmm. It sounds insane to me really hard Um, which leads me to this to this uh comment from ashley ashley is a single mom to a second grader she says we've been playing it safe and not going to fun places that he loves and ashley's a teacher by the way Mm -hmm. um but this is secondary to that she says he understands it's because of covid and he gets so angry i'm forced to turn to pinterest to come up with fun things to do at home it's exhausting because i'm a teacher and that is super hard so she's already doing that stuff for her students Mm -hmm. all day long And now she's also trying to do it for her son, who is understandably very angry that life is not going the way he wants it to. She says he missed going to the fun places and the anger is the hardest part. I've spent a crazy amount of money on Amazon to keep this child happy. (laughs) He's gotten so many presents because I can't deal with the anger. So I'm throwing money toward his anger problem. I know it's it's not the right thing, but I'm just so tired after teaching at school and dealing with virtual kids, which also is not not like an eight to five job. Those kids, I'm sure, are emailing all night long and you know so I don't I just want to validate Ashley and also say that like that anger and the the issues kids are going through are also real and it's like Mm -hmm. we're all going through our own issues at the same time Mm -hmm. and they don't always work together that well I suppose and I'm sure she is not the only one um looking to almighty Amazon to throw Mm -hmm. some money at a at a struggle yeah um Another thing that came up a lot with the, the elementary schoolers, but then also the middle and the, or excuse me, the tweens and teens we're going to talk about after the break is screen time. Um, and this is interesting. Oh, yeah. I'd be interested in how moms of older kids, how things have changed since like spring and summer versus back to school. I know in my family, like incredible rules, relaxing for pure survival in the spring and summer. And then I do feel like we got a little bit more of a handle on excess screens as we came back to school, just because they actually had something scheduled in their day. But the thing is, when school is also on a screen, you sometimes get some of the same 
negative side effects of too much screen time, even though the kids don't think they're having fun. So they they feel like they haven't been given their daily allotment of video games. And yet they have had way too much eyeballs on the blue light and, you know, not no physical activity being in a chair. So it's almost like it's like piled on because um, what feels like a break or a reward or a treat for them that maybe was a part of your routine in spring and summer. It for sure was for us. Like my kids had daily video gaming time built in, which was never the case in our house. But then you take it away and they don't feel like they're getting their enjoyable screens and yet they're still on a screen all day. So that's something right. I think that a lot of people are dealing with. And um, it, I know we're going to talk about more with the teenagers, but when they don't have a lot else going on, it feels kind of rotten to take away, like maybe they get on Roblox and play video games yeah. with their friends and that's the one social time that they get. So screen time is a real tricky, it's a tricky thing right now. It's not cut and dried. It's no longer like the AAP recommends two hours or less a day. Right. Like, like all thanks that, a lot has, of AAP, like but that was not created <laughs> for pandemic yeah. parenting. So um, maybe we'll just kind of leave that here as something we know um, that school age parents are going through, but I know it's going to come back up um, after the break when we talk about our tweens and teens. So BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, Sarah, I'm really glad you brought up screen time at the end of the last um, segment because honestly, this all plays into talking about teens and tweens and how they're experiencing the pandemic and how parents are experiencing the pandemic, parenting them. Mm -hmm. Um, They all kind of, it goes together. Screen time socializing, independence, Mm -hmm. introversion, and social issues, Mm -hmm. um, which I like to put under the header of kids are getting weird. Yeah. (laughs) And like all of it kind of goes together in the tweens and teens in a way that is unique to that stage, I think. So Mm -hmm. it's like the screens are their socializing. It's also their way of being independent. Mm-hmm. It's also something you can take away if they're not acting correctly, right? It's also something that you try to limit so that kids don't get weird. Right. It's also something they usually do outside of school, not as school. Right. So it's kind of like the screen has become this looming thing in the background. And I feel it in my house big time. I used to look forward to like them being at school all day because I knew I didn't have to worry about the six or seven hours they were at school. Those were hours I didn't have to worry about them being on screens. And now those hours, they're on screens the entire time. Yeah. So it's like it's really flipped the switch. On the other hand, I feel rotten taking away or limiting something that's one of the only things that they can do. And then add in introverted kids. Like I've got um, 
in my teens, I've got one introvert and one extrovert. The extrovert's doing okay. He got a job. He still sees friends. Like he, you know, he gets online and stuff, but it's not a big deal. My introvert is getting weird. He's getting pale. (laughs) And like, he's really digging in. And a lot of his friendships have kind of gone by the wayside because it's easier for him to jump on the games that he plays with his cousins, Mm -hmm. which, you know, so he's still socializing. And I'm putting that in big air quotes. But that's all he's got. I'm not going to take it away from him. Yeah. At the same time, I don't like that that's where he's getting most of his life and mm-hmm. and most of his socializing. And and the other thing about that is that um, it all kind of plays in with independence. Like this should be the age when kids are starting to break away from their parents. Yes. But right now they're spending all of their time in virtual situations around their parents. Or even when they're not, if they are going to school in person, Parents are now having to like lock down on things that they didn't used to have to deal mm-hmm. with, like that they used to just be able to hand over to their 13 or 14 or 15 year old. So that's just a very long segue into this, into this, I guess, age group because it's very complicated. Well, I think you said something there that if you, uh, for moms of just little itty bitty kids and toddlers, you may not have thought about this, but someday this will be you. And the literally the driving need for an early teen or a late tween, like your 12, 13, 14 year old, the driving need is to start to break away from, you know, siblings and cousins being their best friends and mom and dad being like the center of the universe. And um, it is very odd. It's very strange. It's not, we're not do it's nobody's where they're meant to be right now. That's what Dr. Aaron said when I interviewed her, she said, nobody's doing the thing they are supposed to be doing right now. And she didn't mean from an obligation standpoint, she meant developmentally, like clinically psychology wise, um, the tweens are not doing the breaking away that they're wired to do. And that is a big deal. Um, So Natalie said that things are better now that they're back in school in person. But in the spring, I was way too involved with their day-to-day tasks. And like, this is just, again, it's a time when you wouldn't normally be seeing your 12 year old all day long. Um, you wouldn't be able to fix them snacks at every right. zoom, zoom break every 50 minutes. Um, she says, I'm a mom, not their teacher. And there were a lot of power struggles over, I assume like things kids could do themselves, but kind of aren't cause they're regressing a little bit. And then Courtney says, my preteen girl is hurting for social interaction. Virtual school helps, but it's not the same at all. And we don't have anyone nearby to do a hangout and it's a need I haven't been able to fill. And I think that's like, That's the big differentiator here is like, they're meant to be out in the world. Like when I was 12, I was going to the mall for multi hours at a time and just arranging a pickup spot or calling my mom from a payphone. And I wasn't particularly extra independent. I was pretty average. My parents weren't super protective, but I was also not like, I wasn't asking for free free rent. (laughs) I wasn't like asking for a ton more independence than I was really ready for. But I mean, my 12 year old has not gone unsupervised with another kid to like a place where, where then we'd go pick them up. You know what I mean? And I don't know, I don't know in the future when she will, to be honest, like that's, that is, that's big. I don't, I don't know what else to say about it, but it's, it's very different than the normal order of things. Yeah, I agree. And it's, I'm thinking of the, the, also the responsibility, like, um, preteen and teen is when you start to do things like really crack down on not dropping off their stuff that they left at home or not, Mm -hmm. I don't know, not bailing them out all the time. And now if you are working 
from home, you are around and able to bail them out. If you're at work, my guess is that in a situation where a kid is in a virtual school situation and mom's at work and maybe their teacher is through a computer, if they have a question, they're going to go to their mom first. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just thinking in the, in the mm-hmm. grand triage <laughs> yeah. of who's in charge, they're probably going to go to their parents before they're going to go to their teachers. If all things being equal, they're at home, mom is at work and teachers at school or wherever the teacher is at their house. Yeah. So like you end up fielding so many things that shouldn't be yours to field. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is just managing, you know, we touched on this, the social stuff in, in the other, in the younger kid age, um, the elementary school section, but um, we have this message from Shannon who said, uh, I have a freshman in high school who's 14 and triplet sixth graders I know, I who are this. 11. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. She says the freshman's really entering the social stage and constantly wants to be out with friends, going to football games, et cetera. All of this is great and perfectly appropriate. But I love that we even have to like qualify that that's great and perfectly appropriate because it's like we've forgotten that that's what kids are supposed to be doing. She says, COVID has made us pre-contact tracers. Yeah. Who will be there? Have you been with them in class and already had contact with them? Have their parents gone back to work? Is the space big enough to distance? Like all of these questions. Yeah like what's normal for kids to do has become so different or what's acceptable that we're, it's like the calculus that we mentioned yes. that the calculus we have to do to decide. And then in the end, we still know we're making an, Im, um, an imperfect decision based right. on right. Uh, like incomplete information. So, you know, she says, sometimes we come down the side of safety and sometimes they come down on the side of mental health. Like uh-huh. you, you are, incon- you feel inconsistent. You second guess yourself. Uh, it just, it, it's a mess. And that's a really hard thing. Also knowing that by the age of 14, 15 or 16, kids can just lie if they want. Mm-hmm. And there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Yeah. Besides keep them locked up in their bedrooms. <laughs> you know, um, you have to trust, even yeah. though you, maybe they've not demonstrated that you can trust them. You kind of have to because they're getting older and what are you going to do? And I think what's so different now, I was, I was following um, some parents of teens pretty closely on social media. I know we follow some of the same people early in the pandemic, and they were writing about what's different now is I think most parents of teens would be aligned on like no keggers for the freshman right. in high school set. You know what I mean? Like there's some, you, assumed, hope that. you right, would hope, right. like there's some assumed rules that a majority of parents probably could could agree on, even if they don't know each other as parents. But when you have communities where um, certain masking or social distancing, quote unquote, rules or norms are not adopted at the same level, then then you're right back. Like you have you have, there's no common ground. Like there's no um, it's not is my kid following the rules or lying to me? It's also like, are the rules the same in other spheres as they are in our house? And that's a lot to ask of young teenagers and parents of young teenagers. Um, I loved this comment from Jennifer. She has five kids, four of whom are teenagers. So that's kind of like you actually, well, yeah. you, you a couple of years ago. Um, right. And she said, I depend on carpooling a lot for their activities. They each have one activity they still participate in. And it's hard to get everyone where they need to be in home for dinner and dinner prep time. Last night, I drove another child home from practice and we all wore masks, but that's such an awkward thing. And I feel uncomfortable asking other parents to do that. So I just drive my kids. And I mentioned a little bit ago that Reed asked if he could do a sport. And my first thought was like, no, because I am the no. sole driver. And right. I I love carpools like you don't understand. Like I love 
anything that makes mom not have to drive someplace, rides for kids, extra pile and extra kid in your car. Like I loved that part of being a school age mom, like pick my kid up from school or like keep my kid. It was such a satisfying way to be able to help out other parents and then to have a support network to ask for help. And I agree that's a that's a loss that we might be feeling for a while, but I just, it, it stuck out at me because our, our new little neighbor friends, um, Violet and the little girl are in the same cohort at school. So they are actually already in a pod together at school and they're masked all the time. And they asked us if we could give her a ride home. And I was like, so happy to be asked because first of all, they're together all day. Anyway, they'll just keep their masks on in the car. We'll roll the windows down, whatever. Like, I don't, I mean, Safety wise, I have no issue, but I'm, I was just so happy that someone felt like they could ask and that then I can ask that person again. And it's going to take us a while to get back to that. And and rides and carpools are like they're a big part of big kid life. When you have multiple kids, they are who can't drive themselves. It's like a huge part of your life. It is. And you think about that, like if you are driving your kids to, uh, you know, maybe you have two kids who are in activities and they're 15 minutes away. That's an hour a day that you would be just in the car. Yeah. Just driving around on top of all the school pickups and drop offs you already do and maybe a commute and all the other things, grocery store, everything else. It's like that does that does affect your ability to say yes to certain things and um, your ability to work it in, especially if you've got multiple kids with different, you know, with conflicting activities yeah. and things like that. Um, the driving thing is interesting. And that's one of those things that I think that a lot of parents use as a carrot or a stick mm-hmm. when they have teenage kids. Um, uh, another Stephanie says my steps, my stepson is 17 and doesn't have a driver's license or car. And this kind of ties into my whole thing about consequences. She says, so when we used to be able to say X, Y, Z must happen before you can go do blank, right. because right. they would drive them. <laughs> him. She says, now he's not going anywhere. So there's no incentive to get things done. I have experienced that now big time, particularly with my 14 year old who doesn't care if he ever leaves the house again, apparently. Like, what do I use as a consequence when there is nothing to take away? Nothing to dang, no carrots to dangle. There's no stick and there's no carrot. It's, it's like, it takes away so many of your tools, Mm. especially when you feel kind of guilty to begin with, because their lives have been so impacted right. that you're just like, whatever, we'll just do whatever you want. and Don't be mean to me. And we'll get through this. Like, I feel like I've made so many, um, I don't know, not even like allowances isn't the right word, but I've made allowances for behavior. I wouldn't have mm-hmm. a year ago mm-hmm. because I just don't feel like I have a lot of leg to stand on when it comes to any kind of consequence I might impose. Plus I don't really want to, right. Like I don't want my kid mad at yeah. me. And I don't want them to be miserable. So yeah. I just kind of let things go. And that's working okay for now, but that can't go on forever. Yeah. <sighs> no, I, yeah, I, I, yes, I am agreeing. Yeah. I have nothing to say. I was going to add one more little theme that I saw emerged and maybe not even in these comments, but I've heard other parents of older kids talk about it. And that is that the forced time in the house altogether has not necessarily yes. led to actual family bonding and connection. Maybe in some cases it did. Maybe early yeah. on it did. There's a couple. There were a few like, mm-hmm. yeah. But like um, there's this feeling of disconnect, even though you're in the same um, building as your nuclear family for many hours. Maybe you are. Maybe you're working outside the home and the kids are in school now. But for sure, we've all experienced way more time at home than we ever have before. And just that it doesn't always equal 
um, that emotional connection. I know that I am like constantly trying to get 20 minutes of work done. And it's, um, I think my kids notice it. It's like, I'm here all day long and I will fix a snack and I will throw in a load of laundry and I will, you know, have a quick conversation. But my, my, I, I'm sending off those like nonverbal signals that like, I really just need to get back to my computer to get 20 more minutes in until the next thing happens. And that's not, that's not presence. That's not like connection to my kids. So, um, yeah, that's a thing. Okay. So we actually had a few comments that kind of spoke exactly to what you're talking about. Um, one in particular was Lisa, who's got boy, girl twins turning 13 next month. And she just kind of says, you know, family time is generally forced (laughs) because the kids can never like the same thing on the same day. I know they don't want to spend a lot of time with us. And that's, I think probably because they're already spending too dang much time, right? right? Like they're, they're already spending so much time with their families, with their siblings. And, you know, now it's, it's like, if you want to have actual family time, that is like something everyone chooses Mm -hmm. that becomes a feeling a little forced and a little more full of conflict. Um, Lauren says my 12 year old has always loved spending time with his siblings. A three-year-old brother and two-year-old sister has always had a very mature relationship with them, almost parental in nature. But it must be true that absence makes the heart grow fonder because suddenly he's bickering with them in the same way you'd expect of siblings much closer in age. Yeah. I'm just picturing this. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any idea how difficult it is to break up a fight between a tween <laughs> and a toddler? <laughs> it's like, I'm just picturing a 12 year old yeah. and like a three and a, like a two year old lisping yeah. angry words at them. And it's just, I mean, it's so sad. And then Heather says, uh, pre-COVID, I kept some screen time rules and one was no screams in bedroom ever works great. And I actually used to have the same rule. <laughs> um, now I've lost control screens in bedroom screens all day for school and all night to veg. She says, I see in quotes, my kids much more, but actually feel less connected. And yeah. I think that's really what we're yeah. the heart of what we're getting at here. Um, and it's hard. And, you know, I, 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 this is, I, I feel, and every stage is very hard in their own way. It's like, the toddlers and preschoolers, what we're hearing, like infants, toddlers, and preschoolers, we're hearing so much exhaustion and yes. like physical tiredness. Elementary, it's like that um, social mm-hmm. tiredness. Like we don't know what our role is and we don't know what we're supposed to be doing. And it's all, it's like very mentally draining. And then teens and tweens, it's already emotionally hard mm-hmm. at that age. And it's, this is just creating a lot of question marks around what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. That make it really, and just make it really tough. All right. Well, we made our way through the through the teenagers, but Megan, you actually have uh, 21 and 23 almost right this fall. Yeah. So you are parenting young adults, one who is living under your roof and one who is not right now. Uh, I'm sure this feels so far away from many of our listeners, but you're still their mom. You're still a, a yeah. foreign or a covid parent um, in the year 2020 to young adults. So any thoughts on that before we wrap? Well, I think it's kind of like an exaggerated version of what it's like to parent a 16 or 17 or 18 year old. It's like, they're still technically like, I still pay their phone bills. (laughs) So technically they're still under my guidance to some degree. Right. But my, my control is less and less and less. And, um, I know we do have listeners whose kids are going off to college for the first time. And, and we've heard how, how hard that's been because like they, they don't have that same connection with home that Mm -hmm. they may have once had or the ability to visit. I can tell you for my 21 year old, who's living in another city, he comes back pretty often. And I'm really glad right now. I'm actually really glad he's an introvert because I'm not very worried about what he's doing. Mm -hmm. I think he really is just working and studying. I don't really think he's 
partying or hanging out with people very much. But it is odd for him to be gone four or five days a week and you have no idea what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And then he just kind of shows up on the weekend. And I'm not going to I'm not going to put him through like the ringer about yeah. his interactions before he can see his younger siblings. Yeah. But at the same time, I do ask a lot of leading and prodding questions, which I'm sure are annoying to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think that's another difficult stage where all the things that should all the ways it should be like I should feel like I can go drop in on him any old time. And take him to lunch or I should feel like, you know, like, mm-hmm. like he can come back and forth with impunity and it doesn't matter what he's doing during, doing during the week that I'm always a safe place or like someone who's in college dorms right now should feel like their parents can visit. And yeah. right now that's just not how it is yeah. for most people. And it just, it's kind of like teenager times, it just going in a different direction. Mm-hmm. It's like the next step, obviously, after yeah. being a teen where you, you lose control over what they're doing. You don't want to pile on how hard things are, but you're dealing with that loss of control. Yeah. And um, that kind of, that, that theme ties definitely into both young adult and teenagers, yeah. I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I guess we have solved nothing, but hopefully, nothing. Absolutely hopefully nothing. <laughs> validated um, where we are in this fall of 2020. So thanks to everybody who kind of shared your pain points or your struggles um with pandemic parenting this fall i'm just laughing thinking about someone listening to this episode like two years from now like a really long time from now (laughs) and obviously like you know we've had much of our podcast content has been timely and covid related but uh this will be literally like a time capsule last week and this week i feel like are a time capsule of everyday parent struggles not the most extreme but just like the the day in the life of COVID parenting, kind of stage by stage. Yeah. So I think it actually kind of would be fascinating to to revisit this like in a time in a time long from in a now. Time, well, can you imagine if we could go back in time right now yeah. to like a year ago and listen to me like what are you talking I know, about? Right? <laughs> like what oh. is about to befall us? Oh, I know. My. oh my gosh. Well, we should remind everyone about our um, retreat coming up because like we said last episode, if there was ever a time that we could all use just a little check out, a little check into ourselves, some some of that real self-care that can be so lacking right Mm -hmm. now, it's now, we need it. Um, And so we are hoping to give moms that opportunity, that reason to get it on their calendar with our virtual retreat coming up on November 7th. Yes, I am staying at a local hotel near me. You have picked a VRBO near you. So we will ourselves be taking a break from our families. And then we'll be checking in with some content that's provided a little bit of live content, some pre-recorded content, and all of which you can kind of consume and digest at whatever pace feels right for you. So we're not going to like make you show up to something on Zoom that you don't want to or that doesn't fit with your timeline. Nobody has to do anything they don't want to right now, especially on Zoom. That's yes, my rule. Exactly. Yeah. That is the that's the tagline of this retreat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so we'll link in the show notes to that where it's the momhour.com slash virtual retreat. And we will be back with you soon with another brand new episode and we will talk to you then. Hi everyone, Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening and leave the mom hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us. And it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple podcasts, you can navigate to the mom hours show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the mom hour just above the play button and then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. 
We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November, and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.